The federal government designated January 2020 as National One Health Awareness Month. The idea is to raise awareness for the One Health movement, which promotes thinking about the ways that animal health and environmental health interact with human health. The St. Louis Zoo is actually a leader in this movement, and Dr. Sharon Deem, who's the director of the St. Louis Zoo's Institute for Conservation Medicine, is an international expert in it. Dr. Deem is here today to talk to us about it. And in addition to being the director of the Zoo's Institute for Conservation Medicine, she's a wildlife veterinarian and an epidemiologist. So, Dr. Deem, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. Great to be here. Now, you've spoken quite a bit about how there's a direct link between bat health Mm -hmm. and margaritas as an example of how One Health sort of puts all these pieces together and sees the world. So for those of us who haven't heard your TEDx talk, walk us through this. How are these two things possibly linked? Wonderful question. Way to kick us off. So bats in general have a a major health issue right now. So it's a wildlife disease called white nose syndrome. So you and I will not get white nose syndrome. Thank God. It's a a bat disease. But really, it's come to our country in 2006, so not that long ago. And we've lost up to 7 million bats across our country. So many people might be thinking, oh, bats, I think of rabies. But really, I want you to rethink about bats and what they're doing for you every day. So Mm -hmm. bats are out there pollinating plants. That gets us to margaritas in a second. But they're also eating pests, right? So a bat can eat thousands of mosquitoes every night. And now you might be thinking about another disease that's kind of on the radar, and that's uh, West Nile virus, Hmm. right? So a new human pathogen that's in our country that you may get if a mosquito that has this virus infects you. So if we've lost the bats that might be eating the mosquitoes that have this virus that might make you sick, you see One Health, right? You see how it's all related. So the health of bats is really important bottom line for your health. And get me then to the margarita part. What are they pollinating so, that ends so up in my cocktail? Agave. So so the plant that we need to help us out on our margaritas is agave. So, so losing this pollinator service that bats provide us and other pollinators. Really, again, wildlife disease, this, this white nose syndrome of bats, we lose this ecosystem service, this ability to, to provide agave, which makes a lot of us happy. And are we already mm-hmm. seeing the impacts of this? I mean, is agave uh, harder to grow so, these days? <laughs> so what, what I would say is what we're seeing a real impact on is sort of the level of mosquitoes. So mm-hmm. kind of bringing, I feel like I've noticed us, that here. Yeah, I think we have all noticed it, right? So if we're, lo- if we're losing sort of this ecosystem service, this natural bats are out there providing a preventive medicine measure for us, we might reach for pesticides more to control mosquitoes. So now we have not only the infectious disease that a mosquito might give us, but also we have increase in pesticides potentially in the environment that might give us other issues, health issues. And so this rise of this white no- white nose problem <laughs> for these bats, um, why is this suddenly something that, that is so pervasive in that species? Wonderful question. So this kind of brings us into sort of where we humans are changing many things on the planet today. Mm-hmm. And so white nose syndrome, this fungus is native in, in Europe, but we humans inadvertently brought it to the U.S. in 2006. So our bat populations had never seen this new pathogen. They were 
naive to this pathogen, right? So when, when they saw it for the first time, it was incredibly pathogenic and caused death at this, this level of up to 7 million bats. Wow. So it's a new, a new pathogen in the populations. Um, I want you to give us another example, and that has to do with plastic pollution. Hmm. Um, We might not have anything to do with the fact that bats are coming over from Europe, but I know we all use plastic. So what kind of impact is that pollution having on sea life? So I will, I definitely need to jump into the pollution thing, but, but I want to say one thing about the bats. It's not the bats that came over from Europe. We brought the, the fungus itself on our people. So we carried it over. It's clinging to our clothes? It's, it's what we call a fomite, so it can last in the environment. So bats didn't fly across uh, the ocean to get here. So that's one thing, um, just to to quickly state. But 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 uh, plastics and and it's on a lot of our minds right now, right? A lot of cities are banning the use of of plastic bags, and we talk about single use plastics and. By 2050, we may have more plastic than fish in the oceans. That, that should, you know, that should. That's so depressing in and of itself. It's really depressing. We should think about it. But we could also then, in a positive way, think about, well, what can I do to minimize the amount of plastics that might be in the ocean, right? I can not use single-use plastics. I can use reusable plastics if I need to reach for them. So we all can make a difference to have that 2050 prediction not happen. You talked about um, this being something that's sort of on our mind, all the plastics out there. And I feel like the coronavirus is something what we're all thinking about these days. And what we know suggests that it's spread from animals to man. So does the danger of one species harming another, it's not just that that man is causing these problems. We're also um, facing the repercussions of of what's happening with animal life. So, So, yeah, again, to put it in that one health sphere, really when we have issues like this uh, uh, coronavirus that has come out in this month, it, it is sort of, again, related to how humans are interacting with animals. So we know in this case, and SARS in 2003, we have these places that are called wet markets, where we have live and dead animals all mixed together in all different species that then somebody will purchase so they can eat that animal. And we know that then viruses can mix and mutate and change. And so these diseases may spill out into the human population. So it isn't it isn't like wildlife are sitting around thinking, hmm, what disease am I going to give to humankind today? It's more we have have changed the way and the relationships that we have with wildlife and other species. And then things such as this coronavirus, which should be on all our minds, may spill into our our species or our population. So I will say, um, this is a lot of really depressing stuff. Um, these are Welcome great to examples. my world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what you're dealing with, these just yeah. everything just feels um, very intractable. But I know that you're also talking about solutions here. So first of all, tell us about what is the St. Louis Zoo doing to help address some of these issues? Right. So so the St. Louis Zoo, we're animals always, right? And we've we've been here for over 100 years, and we work very hard to conserve wildlife and wild places, right? Species conservation. For the last eight years, we've had the Institute for Conservation Medicine, which really takes this One Health approach. And we have many programs, both here in Missouri, locally, but also globally to think about these sort of big picture, big problems, big challenges that threaten the wildlife I want to conserve, but also have public health challenges. And so a number of our projects from 
plastics in the oceans to uh, mosquito-borne diseases in Brazil and, and uh, turtle and tortoise conservation and using them as sentinels of environmental health, which is important for your health and my health, and as well as for the turtles. So we have a number of these projects across the globe to sort of find out what are the problems and more importantly, what are the solutions, which is what One Health is about. So I know one of the projects the St. Louis Zoo has been really active in um, has to do with vulture populations in South Africa. And again, kind of like the bats, we think, oh, that's an icky animal or, you know, do do we really want vultures around? What are you doing there and, and why? Yeah, great question. So vultures and vultures do fit in that bat category. Oh, you know, I haven't thanked a vulture today, but you should, right? Because vultures are out there doing ecosystem services. They, What do vultures do? They clean up the environment, right? They clean up what we call carry-on or, or dead animals. And really, in the last couple decades, we've seen a, a real decrease in vulture populations because of poisoning, hmm. either intentional or unintentional poisoning. And in Africa, we're losing populations of vultures across much of sub-Saharan Africa and, and how would they be encountering these poisons? So great question. And, and, and the unintentional is sort of intentional because what's happening is if a lion does a kill of livestock, villagers might say, I don't want that lion around and they'll poison the livestock because they want to not have the lion around. Oh. And then suddenly you have 50 vultures that come in and you could have 50 vultures die from that poisoning where you, you see the connection. Yeah. I can see in your eyes, right? So, but it's, it's at a scale that's huge right now. So what we're doing is partnering with other folks and, and, and on the ground thinking about how can we uh, more quickly diagnose these poisons in vultures and help with with vulture rehabilitation or vulture treatment from the veterinary side. Okay, so that's some important work the St. Louis Zoo is doing. I'm wondering, for those of us who aren't in the zoo business, we're just an individual, we're hearing this stuff, we're getting depressed, what can we do? Yeah, so the first thing is not get depressed. So be optimistic. That is what One Health is about. We are finally all working together. We're collaborating. We know we have some challenges. Learn about these these issues, think about them, and then think about your your footprint and what you can do to make things better instead of worse, right? So to really, we do have the power, each of us, to, to ensure the health of our families, but also the planet around us. And yet it feels like so many of these things that we think we're doing for a good reason can end up having a consequence we never even think about. You know, I'm sure the people who are, are putting poison out because they're trying to keep the lions away, they're, they're keeping their family safe. And the law of unintended consequences seems almost like the scariest part of this whole world that you're dealing with. And I think, uh, bingo again, so I think education though, and really once we start seeing how connected it is, we, we then can say, oh my gosh, what is that that E, I'm starting at A, what is it gonna lead to? And we can we can kind of minimize along those steps and, and bring it together. So what are just some small steps you might have taken maybe in your own life that the rest of us could emulate and say, I, I can do yeah. this. Right, so don't use single use plastics, mm-hmm. right? So, so like a water so bottle. Get, a water get rid bottle. Of that. Straws. 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 No. No. Right. So so there are things that that won't even challenge our our life uh, style. Right. We just don't need to use things like that. But but more importantly, think of the things you buy. Think: Are you buying some wood that just came out of Indonesia? Or are you buying wood that came out of the Midwest? You, you, we can make all these really small decisions that add up quickly as we you know more of us think in that way. 
So it sounds like just being conscious of it can sort of lead to some changes. Maybe a small step could help begin to change the world. Yeah. One step, right? A journey starts with one step. One step for one world. So, (laughs) Well, Dr. Sharon Deem, Director of the St. Louis Zoo Institute for Conservation Medicine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. Um, We do have a note for our listeners. It's just a quick reminder, in addition to listening to the show on the radio or through our podcast, you can also connect with our production team on Facebook. Search for St. Louis on the Air there. Request to join our Facebook group. We get a lot of ideas through that. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.